Hi, I'm Kristen, and you're listening to A Public Church Podcast. We'd love to connect with you through our social media at A Public Church or through our website, publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. I'm just wondering who's excited to be at the 12 o'clock today? Man. Incredible. We're in week two of our series called The Search for More. And the whole premise of this series is really an assumption that we all have this innate human desire within us. And this innate human desire is a longing for more. That whether we realize it or not, if we walked into the 12 or we're watching on YouTube, that we are all searching for more because the opposite of more is settling. And none of us like to settle. Have you ever been to a restaurant and expected a dish full of flavor and you got a big fat dish of bland? Anybody been with me? How'd that make you feel? Terrible, bland, it's awful. We don't like bland, that's why we love Chick-fil-A. Just thinking about that spicy chicken sandwich. Sorry, it's Sunday, sometimes these things just are uncontrollable. But the point is, none of us like bland. And I hate it when I see other people settle. But you know what I hate even more? It's when I see myself settle. So this series is us coming together and saying, we're not going to settle, but together we are going to pursue more. And what we're doing is we're looking at three essential habits of Jesus followers that for those of us who follow Jesus, and if you don't follow Jesus, we want you to know what it looks like to follow him. As we follow Jesus, we have to cultivate these habits into our everyday lives. If we're actually going to experience the more that Jesus has in store. So last week, our big idea was this, more is unattainable in isolation. Whereas that more is unattainable in isolation. And that led us to our habit, which is connect. And throughout this series, we're actually assembling a product. So that means we're talking about one part of that product each week. You got to come back next week to find out what the product is. But our product that represented the habit of connect last week was some stitching. Because in order for our product to work, it must be stitched, it must be connected to a person. That's a hint. Otherwise, it's not going to deliver. Otherwise, it cannot do what it's designed to do. And the reality is for us, more is unattainable in isolation. Now, each of those habits, they are essential yet incomplete. That's why we've got to have all three. So today, we want to look at the second habit. And to do that, I'm just wondering, do any of you remember what your New Year's resolution was or maybe the word that you had for 2019? And if you do, just shout it out. Ooh, that was really good. One more time, everybody at once. Oh, focus, restoration. There's one I didn't hear. Anybody on this side of the room? Uncomfortable, which is what you are right now speaking. So that's awesome. Living it out. Okay, well, all right. Can we give it up for people that remember the word in September? So for us as a church, we had a phrase, and that phrase is immeasurably more. And along with that phrase came a prayer. So many of us have been praying Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, once a week, every week for this year, because that phrase is in this prayer. That means that a whole lot of us have not just been searching for more, we have been praying for more. Now, I realize that there's a group of you guys that you weren't with us at the beginning of the year. You may not know about this prayer. So we invite you to start now. Start this Sunday. Start today and begin praying. Ephesians 3, chapter 4, uh, excuse me, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, once a week, every week for the rest of the year. And what we are going to do is we're actually going to live out your word. We're going to get uncomfortable because we are going to pray this prayer together 
aloud. That means like verbal. You got to actually use your words here. Now, I get it. Some of you may not follow Jesus. You might feel comfortable praying. You can just read it. Or perhaps this is your first prayer ever. We're good with that. But let's all say this aloud together. Let's say it or pray it. It's going to be on the screen, starting with verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. So I've not just been praying this particular prayer for um, since January. I've actually been praying this prayer since February of 2018. Because in February of 2018, public students, which is our team that serves middle school and high school students, they came together with North Cleveland Baptist students for Disciple Now. Disciple Now is an event that challenges our students to take the next step in their journey of following Jesus. We partner with North Cleveland because their student pastor was my student pastor. He's a great friend, a mentor of mine, and Jason Cox's name, he's actually a regular listener to our podcast. So Jason, I hope your run's going well because he always listens while he's running. And so we got to partner with them, and I challenged our students, the North Cleveland students, to pray this prayer. A month later, I had the privilege of being with Nolan Rumble with Grace Baptist students just outside of D.C., and I challenged those students as well to pray this prayer. And look, I'm not going to ask students to do something that I'm not already doing, because that's just hypocritical. So I've been praying this prayer since February of 2018, and I just want to give you a warning if you choose to pray this. God's Word is powerful. And the power in it is that God wants to use his word to refine us. That means to more precisely align us with him. So what's happened for me as I've been praying this prayer is I feel like the Holy Spirit has just shown a floodlight on a certain section of this prayer. And that's when I began to see habit number two, a habit that I often neglect, sometimes unintentionally, but at the very least, even if I'm not neglecting it, I'm just not emphasizing it enough. And as I saw habit number two and that floodlight continued to shine, then I began to see the other habits that we are talking about in this series. And this series came together. So Jesus followers, here's what I invite you to do today. Would you let the Holy Spirit shine a floodlight onto this prayer so you can see a habit that is very easy for us to overlook or just flat out neglect? And for those of you who don't follow Jesus, whether you're here in the 12 or whether you're watching, I suspect that what we're discussing today is one reason you're still considering Jesus. I think that the habit we're talking about is one reason that you're like, huh, I'm still thinking about following him, which means that at some point in this talk, you may feel this particular tension. Okay, I really want to follow Jesus. Like this, this is why I'm drawn to him. But I don't want to be like the group of supposed Jesus followers who completely neglect this habit. And to that tension, I would say, neither do I. 
any version of Christianity that neglects this habit is a version of Christianity that I reject. Why? Because it's a version that Jesus would have rejected. It's not the version that Jesus taught. So if that's holding you up, lean in. Let's see what Jesus actually taught. And another tension that you may experience during this talk is, you know what, even for the people that, that I think are authentic Jesus followers, they're really trying to follow him, man, they struggle with this habit. To which I would say, yeah, we do. And so you may have this fear. If I truly follow Jesus, then I may be unable to live up to my own standard. To which I would say, you're right, <laughs> because all of us have. That's why the start of this prayer is that I pray that Jesus would strengthen us with his spirit in our inner being. We cannot do this in our own strength. So Jessica Brewster spoke at Flourish on Tuesday night. Any ladies enjoy Flourish? Yeah, she's awesome. She's a good friend of ours. And I just wanna encourage you with something that Jessica has said that's just burned in my mind. She says, we're all gonna struggle. Let's struggle well. So if, you're, if you don't follow Jesus and you're like, ah, I just don't know if I can live up to it. Look, you're gonna struggle. But hey, let's come together and let's struggle well together. So let's look at the very end of verse 17 in this prayer as we begin to really look for this habit and try to find it. It says this, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. The word rooted means strengthened. Established means grounded or placed in a foundation. These two words are actually in the perfect tense in Greek in the original language, which means they're speaking about an event that happened in the past that causes the current conditions. In other words, in the past, you were rooted and grounded, established. Something happened in the past that caused that. What is this past event? It's the moment that we choose to follow Jesus. So for those of us who are Jesus followers, the moment that we first surrender to Jesus, what happened is we were rooted and established in what? In love. For those of you who are gonna follow Jesus in the future, the moment that you surrender, you will be rooted and grounded in love. That's the first thing that we need to see as the floodlight shines on this. Now let's keep going in verse 18. It says, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of of Christ. Here's what he's praying. He's praying that we would have power to grasp something. But what is he asking us to be able to grasp? You know, scholars actually debate what Paul, who's the author, what he means by saying wide and long and high and deep. But I read this and I just want to share it with you as I study. It says that the four dimensions, they're governed by only one article in the Greek, the original language, so that it'll be treated as, as one, as a unit. And here's what that means. These four dimensions, they are a totality which evokes the immensity of an object. Everybody got it? Can we just move on? I know it's the 12 and y'all slept in for Jesus and maybe had some pancakes, but that, that's heavy. Okay, let's try that one more time. These four dimensions, they're a totality which evokes the immensity of an object. What does that mean? Paul is praying that we would have the power to grasp a love that's ungraspable that no matter how long we follow Jesus and look for the more we, he offers, that we will never fully get to the bottom of the width and the length and the height and the depth of his love. There's always gonna be a new adventure with Jesus. It means we're never gonna get bored with Jesus. There's always satisfaction to be found in Jesus because he invites us to grasp a love that's ungraspable. And then he kind of gets crazier in the next verse. And he says, and to know 
this love that surpasses knowledge. Now he prays that we would also know a love that's unknowable. Do you see why we need the Holy Spirit's help of the prayer started there? These are impossible actions, but he's saying, man, let's pray for these things. And actually, in the context of his prayer, it's all been building to this point. And then verse 19 is the crescendo, and here's what he writes in verse 19. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So just kind of put it together. Here's what we're saying, and I pray that you may have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And this is the crescendo because guess what it means to be filled? It means to find the more that we long for in Jesus because filled is the opposite of empty which is what we're offered outside of Jesus. He says, no, I'm not offering you emptiness. I'm offering you an opportunity to find more, to be fulfilled. And what's gonna fill us? The fullness of God. That word literally means the completeness of God. This is incredible news. It means that the creator of the universe, who's the creator of you and me, he offers to complete us. And as our creator, he's the only one that can. Jesus is the more that we long for. So everything's building to verse 19. And just as Paul is getting excited, I'm getting frustrated because of three words. That you may. Oh, Paul, why'd you have to include this? Here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, we need to grasp a love that's ungraspable. We need to know a love that's unknowable that you may find more in Jesus until, here's what Paul would tell us, that more is unattainable, like more is unattainable until we get in over our heads in Jesus's love. As long as we think Jesus' love is something that we can grasp and something that we can know, man, we are not walking in more. More is unattainable until we get in over our heads in Jesus' love because love is the foundational principle of the Jesus movement. So our habit today, the habit we're talking about is love. Habit number two is the love. And Paul lays it out there. And here's the thing. You don't just have to take my word for it. Jesus said this. In fact, in John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus is near the end. He gets his followers together. He's like, hey, I I, I want to talk to you guys. And here's what he says. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. He says, love each other. We're not going to get into all the details, but at this point, the last thing that Jesus' followers needed was a new commandment. So so why does he do this? Because he's saying, look, there's so many things, even good things, that can distract you. I want you to focus on this one essential habit, love one another. And then he defines it. Here's what he writes next. He says this, just as I have loved you. See, we do not get to define love. We simply look to Jesus as the definition. It's not up to what you think love is or 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 what I think love is. We don't get to define love. We simply look to Jesus as the definition of this essential habit. And then Jesus says something incredibly powerful. He said, your love for one another 
will prove to the world that you are my disciples. He says that we prove that we follow Jesus when we love like Jesus. And look, it's so easy for us sitting here at the 12 o'clock in America or watching on YouTube, it's so easy for us to hear this and just kind of move on and we've got lunch plans and you know, we got a meal prep for the week and we got a Sunday afternoon nap to get to. We got all these things going on. And I think we can just miss the immensity of what Jesus is saying, but know that John, who wrote this down, he didn't miss it. See, John wrote this eyewitness account of Jesus's life and he thought, you know what? This is such a big deal that I'm gonna write a letter called 1 John that just expands on this one commandment. And I think that if John could visit us, here's what he would say to us, that we find more by diving into the deep end of Jesus's love. We find more by diving, not like sticking our toe in just a little bit, not waiting out, but we find more by diving into the deep end of Jesus's love. And guess what? First John is the deep end. He tells us what the deep end is. He, in fact, he writes this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. He says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. What is John saying here? He's saying, look, if we don't love, we don't actually know God. There's a sign in my office that my wife, Whitney, got me a couple Christmases ago. This says, Jesus changes everything. It's such a great reminder that the power doesn't rest in any of us. None of us change everything, but Jesus changes everything. Here's what John would tell us. He said, Jesus is not changing everything in us unless we were growing and loving like Jesus. If we're not every day beginning to love more and more like Jesus, then Jesus isn't actually changing everything in us. He may not be changing anything in us. Why? Because he ends with verse eight by saying, God is love. See, love is not an activity of God, but all of God's activity is love. <laughs> love is not an activity of God. It's not something he does, but all of God's activity is love because love is his very essence. So unless we are getting closer to his love, unless we are growing in his love, we're actually not becoming more like Jesus. He goes on to say this. Here's how Jesus defined love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. We're in the deep end, people. And he says, here's what God did. He showed, God demonstrated his love. How did he demonstrate it? By sending Jesus into the world. And we need to understand that when we read some of Paul's other writings, going back to Paul who wrote in Ephesians, in Romans chapter five, Paul says that, that God did not wait until we were cleaned up and sobered up and had it all together. But while we were still enemies of God, while we were ugly and dirty and messed up and at our worst, that's when God demonstrated, he showed love by sending Jesus into the world to offer us life in exchange of the death that we've been existing in. He offers us then he goes on, say, here's what else happened. This is real love. Wanna know what real love is? The definition of love? It's not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. 
real love, is that God sent Jesus. And here's what that means. The only way for us to be forgiven of all of our sins is to surrender to Jesus. Why? Because he paid the price for all of our sins. He was the sacrifice. He died on the cross. And you know what love does? Love initiates. In this story, love went first. He said God didn't wait on us to start moving towards him. No, God sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. This is the definition of love when we look at Jesus. And then John writes this. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, pause. What do you expect this to say next? What do you expect John to write? He says, hey, dear friends, since God loved us that much, what's expected? Maybe this? Then we must love God, right? Since God loved us that much, then we have no other option. We must love God. That's kind of what we expect, isn't it? It's not what he wrote. He said this. Since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. (laughs) It's unexpected, isn't it? That our love for God is demonstrated by how we treat each other. See, if we're thinking about this habit of love, the part of our product this week is this wire. And here's what we learn. In the deep end, Jesus' love goes through us and to others. So for our product to function properly, it can't be a closed circuit system where all the energy is just staying within this product. No, the energy must go from the product into the person. The same thing in the deep end. (laughs) Jesus' love must flow through us and to others. If Jesus' love is just coming to us and it's stopping there, then we're not really experiencing Jesus' love and we're not really being changed by him, at least according to what John writes, who spent time with Jesus. You know, we said that each of these habits are essential but incomplete on their own because we also need to connect. Here's the reality. How are we gonna love one another unless we are connected to one another? I mean, think about it. It's impossible for us to love one another, for us to let Jesus' love flow through us and to others unless we are connected to one another. They're essential, but incomplete on their own. This is the deep end. So how do we begin to love like Jesus? What does it look like in our everyday lives when we really just dove in and we find more by diving in, diving into the deep end of Jesus' love. What does that actually look like? It, it's, it's two words. I want to invite us to say these together. Jesus' love, here's what we do. We initiate and demonstrate. Can we say those together? We initiate and demonstrate. Look, you guys slept the longest. You already talked about that. You're, you're better than this. Come on, we got some energy here that we've been storing up. Can we try that again, 12 o'clock? I, I have faith in you, okay? Ready? All right. Jesus is love. We initiate and demonstrate. This is the pattern of Jesus. Love went first. That God didn't stand in heaven and go, you make the move, you make the move. Oh, when they, all right, now I'll send Jesus. No, no, no. Love initiated. Look, we've all played the waiting game. The waiting game, and it doesn't matter if you're married or you're not married, you have kids, you don't have kids, if you're single, if you live with a roommate, if you live alone. In some area of our life, we've all played the waiting game 
where something needs to be done, but we just kind of wait around hoping that somebody else will do it. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's like trash day. And you're like, who's going to take out the trash? <laughs> if I just keep waiting, if I don't come home, if I do these, then maybe someone else will take out the trash. And look, confession is good for the soul. So can we just raise your hand if you have played the waiting game with dishes? Raise your hand. Somebody else will get it. My kid will get it. My spouse will get it. I'm going to invite the neighbor over and let them see the pile and hope my neighbor does it. The goodness of their heart. Look, we've all played the waiting game. We're going to love like Jesus. We stop the waiting game because love initiates. Instead of waiting on somebody else to take out the trash, we do it. Instead of waiting on somebody else to do the dishes and playing the way, oh, I hope it's you, I hope it's you. No, no, we just go ahead and take care of it because that's what Jesus did. He didn't wait on us, he pursued us. So if we're gonna live in the deep end, that means that we initiate love and then we demonstrate love. Jesus didn't just show up on earth and say, hey guys, love ya. No, no, he died. He died to demonstrate his love. So what about that person in your sphere of influence? It's just difficult. You know what I'm talking about? You sang about them earlier. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe that you can move them away from my work again. Or move me, Jesus, do it again. Just move somebody, Jesus, because they drive me crazy. And maybe you'll show up at work tomorrow and they won't be there. Praise Jesus if that happens. But it's very likely that you're gonna show up at work tomorrow and they're gonna be there and by about 9.05, they're gonna be on your nerves. That's what happens every Monday at 9.05. Anybody with me? Hey, don't look at people, that'd be awkward. But here's the point. It's easy for us to sit here in the 12 and go, I need to love them. I'm gonna love them. We love them at 9.05 tomorrow when they're already on our nerves. We love them at one o'clock tomorrow when they've been on our nerves from 9.05 to one o'clock. And will we demonstrate our love towards them? And I don't have to give practical examples because you're smart and you can come up with them on your own. Love demonstrates. <sighs> Sounds overwhelming, doesn't it? <laughs> Sounds impossible. That's why the prayer starts by saying, Jesus, we need your Holy Spirit to give us strength. And that's why we as a public church, we wanna give you guys opportunities. We give all of us opportunities to practice, to get reps. Here's what we offer. We offered scheduled opportunities for you to initiate and demonstrate love. How do you get those scheduled opportunities? You serve on a public team. Because here's what happens when you serve on a public team. You show up early, that takes some responsibility, and you get in the huddle. And in that huddle, there's a few things that happen. But one of the first things that happens is you're definitely gonna read something from scripture, just like we've done today. We've read about the deep end in 1 John, now we're talking about how to live it out. So you're gonna start in scripture, and then you're gonna be sent out to live it out. And you're literally gonna be scheduled, expected to initiate and demonstrate love. Because our first impressions team, they don't stand in the parking lot and go, well, if they speak to me, then I'll speak to them. No, they initiate it. They reach out and make people feel welcome. For our Sprouts and Roots volunteers, they don't just say that they're gonna love our children. I mean, they invest in our children. They let them have a great time. They teach them about Jesus and give them animal crackers. And every kid loves animal crackers. They demonstrate their love. Our safety team doesn't just say, hey, we love children. No, they demonstrate their love by creating a safe environment for our children. So we wanna give you reps, opportunities 
to literally practice scheduled opportunities to initiate and demonstrate love because the hope is then that will bleed over into when it's game day, which is called our everyday lives. And you're at the difficult person at work. You're going, am I going to play the waiting game with the dishes? No, I'm going to initiate love because on Sunday I was scheduled to do that and I did it. And Jesus helped me in this moment to initiate love. And we've got the reps and the power of the Holy Spirit and we dive into the deep end. And so if you want to take that step and dive in the deep, deep end, Team Night is coming up. September 24th, we're so excited about it. Here's what Team Night's all about. It's an opportunity for us to be inspired while we serve and for us to be empowered to actually serve because a synonym for love could be serve. We're talking about loving the way Jesus loves. At that night, our campus pastor, Nathan Eaton, he's gonna remind us why we love because Jesus has loved us and he's gonna inspire us. Public worship is gonna lead us in a few songs and then our incredible public team leaders are actually gonna train us, get us scheduled. So we literally have scheduled opportunities to initiate and demonstrate love. Now go, well, why does all this matter? Here's why it matters. Because of 1 John 4, 12. No one has ever seen God but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. John concludes, he says, look, no, nobody's seen God, but when we love like Jesus, people see Jesus in us. Maybe like, oh, what does that look like? Here's what it looks like. After the 1030, I was out in the lobby and I was talking to a couple and the wife said, I didn't really know Jesus. I definitely didn't follow him until someone showed me Jesus' love. That they, they literally loved me like Jesus. And then that's when I began to follow him. And then that's when I began to come home and not just be transactional with my husband, not just respond to him the way he responded to me, but begin to think, okay, how does Jesus love me? Now this is how I'm gonna love my husband. And she said, it saved our marriage. That's the more that we all long for. That's why we need to practice and get reps because when we love like Jesus, people see Jesus. And come on, those of us who follow him, don't we want people to see Jesus, be changed by him and experience all the more he offers? So let's dive into the deep end. More is unattainable until we get in over our heads in Jesus's love. So let's dive in. And one final thought, for those of you who don't follow Jesus, I said at the beginning that what we're talking about, this habit may be the thing that's causing you to still consider Jesus. See, there's something about Jesus's love that it's a love I can't shake. It compels us, it draws us in. So I just wanna invite you to give in to surrender to Jesus and follow him. And you're like, well, I have this fear. I have this fear because what if I can't live up to the standard? What hey, come on. We got the Holy Spirit of Jesus. We've got limitless power when we follow him. And we've got a family where we can struggle well together. So if you wanna follow Jesus, just tell him. There's no magic formula, just let him know. And what we ask is that, when public worship begins to sing, that you would just go to this camera in the back and talk to our prayer team because we wanna immediately begin to surround you. Because we know from last week, more is unattainable in isolation. So we do not want you walking out of this space in isolation, but we wanna surround you from that initial moment. 
And if you're watching on YouTube or listening to our podcast and you make that decision, email katie at publicchurch.com because we also wanna follow up and come alongside you. Why not follow Jesus? And for those of us who follow him, we got an opportunity to reflect for a moment. And let's really consider the fact that more, it's unattainable until we get in over our heads in Jesus' love. So let's consider what would it look like for us to not put our toe in, not put our ankle in, not put our calf in, not get into our knees, but to just dive into his love. What's the action that we need to take? So Jesus, I pray that your light has just shone like a floodlight on this habit. It's foundational, it's essential. Forgive me for overlooking it. And I just pray that you would help me and help all of us to begin to prioritize it. Show us what it looks like for us to literally dive into the deep end of your love. 